0: Hello and welcome to the Ever Better Life podcast. Today we're talking about moving on after a breakup.
1: Yeah, we figured this would be the perfect follow-up to our previous uh, episode about breaking up. And, you know, this is, I think, the part that people are most afraid of, actually. When you think of a breakup or, like, the potential of a breakup, it's like, oh, but it's going to hurt. Oh, but what if they start seeing someone else? And what that what you predict that might be like and how you predict that might feel really sometimes will determine whether the breakup happens or not. But once you're in that position of having broken up, um, what do you do? How can you expedite the process of grieving? Um, Are there uh, best practices for moving through this type of situation as swiftly and elegantly as possible with as uh, little drag and as little, you know, depression <laughs> or really bad negative feelings that can happen when you've, you know, left a short-term relationship, especially if you've left a long-term relationship and you kind of don't know what to do with yourself.
0: I think one of the big things is once once you've made the decision that this is the thing to do, you want to do it as fast as you possibly can, or at least you want to get things in motion as quickly as you possibly can. Like once you know for sure, not not necessarily as soon as the idea occurs to you or as soon as you start thinking about it. But, you know, in life, there are these kind of threshold moments where you know, or, you know, if you would allow yourself to be aware of what you really wanted, you know, if you weren't afraid to open that door because you know what's in that room and you're afraid of finding what you know was in that room in the room, you know what I mean? I've talked to a lot of people like this that, they get on the phone, our, our first phone call together, they say to me, I don't know if I want to be with my my, my spouse anymore, and I don't believe them. You know, I, I just don't believe that they don't know. I, I believe that they do know, but they're afraid that they're not allowed to want the thing that they really want. Um, And so one of the big things for me is, if I know that this is the thing to do, I don't, and it, this isn't just applied to relationships, right? This is career, this is every area of your life that's important to you. I don't want, my decisions to be governed by <clears throat> ideas that don't serve me. I, I don't want like my life and the things that I choose to do or not do to be determined by fears that I have about my inability to really make it in the context that I want to be in or that my desires would lead me into. And I think that that's like an important personal thing that everybody really would benefit from doing Who's in a relationship, who's not in a relationship, whether you think you want out, whether you have no idea if you want out, whether you don't now and might later, or whether you're with the person you're going to be with for the rest of your life. I think it's really useful to get clear in the beginning and, and, and just get really clear. I mean, especially with these things that are so important to us and are such givens. If I realized that this wasn't for me anymore, would I have the courage or would I have the willpower or would I have the determination? Would I have the just get up and do itness, you know, to say... Wow, okay, I didn't expect to want this now. I didn't expect to be at this point in my life in terms of clarity about what I wanted and in terms of discovering that this actually is the thing that I want, which is not what I'm currently getting. Would you be willing to pursue that? And that for me is like if I'm not willing to pursue that, like just assessing my own life, that's a big problem for me. If, If my ability to make decisions is being limited by or governed by or curtailed by or guided by, Ideas and beliefs and assumptions and fears and doubts and misgivings and all sorts of things that don't really serve me. You know, so that if I realized that I wanted to make a radical shift in my life, would I feel comfortable doing it? Would I feel bold enough to do it? If the answer to that is no, I need to fix that problem, in my opinion, whether or not I'm going to go make those radical shifts. I, I want to be able to do it. Because if you know, you're on the fence about breaking up and you decide not to, but you know that you could have, and you know that you can leave at any time. You know that you could have broken off and gone off and been okay. And you know that even now at this, what feel, I mean, it feels like a late date for everybody. You know, if you've been together for 10 years or if you've been married for 50 years or if you've been dating, you know, since the beginning of the semester, everybody feels like, oh, I've missed the point at which it would be appropriate to sort of call this quits. I've missed the point where it's easy. You know what I mean? Um, what I want to do is I want to make sure that I'm – Fully conscious of the fact, I'm choosing to be with this person, and I'm choosing to be with them for reasons that are good. Reasons that are, you know, I'm, I'm looking to improve what it's like to be me. Being with them is an important part of that. Being with them is a worthwhile part of that. Not, I'm with them because I haven't yet ferreted out the fears and insecurities and doubts that I have surrounding being alone, surrounding confronting people, surrounding letting people down, surrounding going after what I want, surrounding changing my mind if that's the thing to do, surrounding perhaps responding resourcefully to the consequences of less than resourceful decisions that I made because I made them unconsciously or I made them under emotional duress or I made them when I wasn't fully thinking or I made them when I was under the influence of you know unconscious programming that I got from my parents or from an early relationship that I had or whatever. I want to know that I'm doing what I'm doing because what I'm doing seems like the best thing for me to do when I'm making all of my choices fully consciously and fully freely.
1: Absolutely. So once you're, you know, in that place where you can make a decision like that and you've moved into this funky zone of, okay, I'm no longer with this person. (laughs) What am I going to do with myself? I think that um, mental discipline is one of the most important skills to develop because um, I was I, mean, I was just thinking about, okay, you break up, you're, you know, in this new zone, you are like, kind of don't know what to do with yourself because your habits were pretty much uh, entwined with your partner. Um, what's the thing that's going to get you feeling bad and get you feeling like, oh, this is not okay, or did I make a bad decision? And I think it's really um, honing your focus. It's like, am I focusing on what I want or on what I don't want? Uh, because when you're focusing on what you do not want, you know, missing something that could have been great or the plans and ideas that you have that you're not going to ever experience. When you think about that, you're going to feel bad. When you focus on what you do not want, you feel bad. When you focus on what you do want, you know, you want, you know, maybe you broke up with the the other person and they, uh, you're kind of worried about them. You're like, I don't know how they're going to do without me. I think that this could be a big crushing, horrible thing for them. They don't have good coping skills. And when you're focusing on what you don't want, I don't want them to fall into a deep depression. I don't want them to, you know, do something stupid. I don't want them, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want it. Whenever you're focusing on what you don't want, you're going to be feeling bad. And so it's like really having that mental discipline and like whipping your mind into shape and like not numbing yourself and like Uh, making it like you don't have any feelings because it's good to feel your feelings, but it's not good to let your feelings boss you around. And so I think that there's kind of like a healthy amount of grief. There's a healthy amount of like processing, um, letting go of the ideas of what you thought the future was going to be like with this person and kind of experiencing, okay, this is going to be different than what I thought. You know, having a couple uh, poignant feelings and then moving on and letting yourself like, um, move into whatever this next chapter is going to be for you. Um, but you you kind of have to, you got to move. When you're stagnant and when you're not disciplined in your thinking, you can stay in like the doldrums of this really yucky in-between zone for way, way too long.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting. So when you're going through something like this, like you said, there's some amount of, of what you would call what? Bad feelings, sad feelings, um, remorse or grieving or whatever. There's a certain amount of that that's Normal nostalgia. nostalgia, yeah. Um, There's a certain amount of that that's normal, that's natural, that's just kind of probably intrinsic to going through a major life event. Like things that you probably, if you had a certain mindset and you'd done a certain amount of meditating and you had thought about it enough and all this that you may not feel, but that it might not even be practical for you to even consider trying to get there. Because... You're a human being and you have a capacity to feel, you know, attachment and to be in love with people and all this different stuff. And part of that, kind of the other side of that coin, is that you have the capacity to feel things that don't feel so good when a relationship comes to an end. You know, there is this kind of intrinsic kind of relationship to being able to feel love for somebody and then and then kind of grieving the loss of that love, whether they pass away or whether you break up or whether you kind of fall apart or whatever. Um, So there is a relationship there. However, uh, one thing I think that tends to happen is that people very often, and I did this for such a long time, there was the intrinsic sort of grief associated with something. And then there were the consequences of my less than resourceful patterns and habits and behaviors that I unconsciously and automatically applied to the situation of the breakup that then exacerbated the badness. And that I then attributed to the breakup itself mm. that's not, that, that's something you want to avoid doing. you know you want to in order, and this is really important, all feelings are real. there's no such thing as a fake feeling. If you feel it, it's a real feeling. but not all real feelings are authentic feelings. and what that means is that there are certain things that are racket feelings there are certain, Have you ever felt obligated to feel a certain way? Uh, maybe someone dies or, or you know I don't know, you break up, you get a divorce and You don't feel upset about it at all, but you know they feel upset about it. And so there's almost some part of you in an effort to avoid feeling guilty about not feeling worse than you do that marshals up the the negative feelings, the bad feelings inside because you'd rather feel bad about the breakup than you would would feel guilty about not feeling worse than you do, that whole thing. There's this tendency sometimes to kind of like layer on stuff that just doesn't need to be there. Those are racket feelings. And those things, sometimes when people listen to me in particular, I think less so with you because you, you have kind of a, I don't know, you're, you're a little less harsh, I guess, when it comes to this. <laughs> stuff. But, but sometimes people think I'm telling you don't feel bad feelings. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying don't let the fake bad feelings get in the way of feeling deeply and fully and addressing resourcefully the actual bad feelings that you're having or the actual negative emotions that you're experiencing in response to a life event. Sometimes if if I am so busy dealing with the consequences of things that I'm doing that don't serve me, focusing on what I don't want for example, right? Making the situation as painful as I can possibly make it. What's going to happen? One, I don't really know what it actually feels like to just go through this event as resourcefully as I possibly could. I don't if every time I go through a breakup, I catastrophize it to the max, either making myself feel rejected or making myself feel guilty for rejecting them. Whatever side of the fence I'm on, if I'm creating an intensely negative experience for myself and making it worse than it really needs to be and making it worse than I need to feel it to be in order to really process it and learn from it and then move on from it, what I'm doing is I'm, first of all, preventing the wound from healing, right? So I've got a cut on my arm and I want to be really authentic about how much this hurts and the way that I'm authentic about it is I take my finger and jam it in the cut. You don't have to do that. That's going to interfere with healing. The other thing it's going to do is it's going to give you a distorted experiential reference point for how bad a cut like that has to hurt. Do you see what I'm saying? Because if I cut myself by accident, like just doing something out and about, and then I'm messing with it and and putting sand in it and rubbing it around and salt in it and and poking my fingers in it all the time, If I do that enough, I'm going to begin to associate that behavior with being injured, and I'm going to think that that's what being injured feels like. No, that's what being injured and then behaving less than resourcefully feels like. If I could just go out and about and get a cut or get scraped or whatever and then leave it alone, just do nothing, it would heal faster and be less painful. If I actually did some nice things for it, like maybe there's some balm that I could put on it. If it's open, maybe I could put a bandage over it or something like that. Maybe that would be helpful for a while. Maybe I could just put it in the sunshine and let it kind of just do its healing thing. Then maybe it would get better even faster. But for so many people, what they're doing is they're, you know, they they got a cut and they're opening it up wider and then they're pouring salt in it and all sorts of unpleasant things. And then they're saying, oh, it hurts so bad. And they're depriving themselves of the real true feeling of that breakup. They're... By making it worse, by layering on their own unresourceful responses, they are interfering with their own ability to, one, feel the situation for what it really is, and two, move on from that situation as quickly as possible. And then three, you know, learn how to respond resourcefully to things that maybe invite you to activate old patterns that you might have that aren't particularly resourceful and that don't really serve you. And so I think that, like, developing that ability, I mean, I remember I had, like, one particular breakup that I made a, a um, I really made myself suffer over a lot, and even at the time, it was obvious to me that I was using this as an excuse to be miserable. Like it, I, I, I could never escape some level of awareness that I don't even really care about this girl that much. I mean, you know, she's great. We spend a lot of time together, and all this, but th- this, this suffering that I'm putting myself through is not about her. This is, this is my own kind of grotesque self-indulgence. <laughs> and then there was a part of me, too, that in a sense wanted to see if there was a certain amount that I could suffer that would kind of will her back into my life as well. Like, you know, can I be hurt enough over mm. her leaving to get her back? Not necessarily because I wanted her back, but because there was some part of me that wanted to find out if that would work. There's was a lot <laughs> of weird stuff that was going on. Um, and it wasn't until I got rid of all of those patterns that I realized I don't even really, I mean, I hope she's happy, you know, good for her, you know. But in terms of her being missing from my life, I was basically lazy. I didn't want to have to learn how to live without this person. I didn't want to go to the trouble of rebuilding my habits from the ground up and how I was going to spend my time. I was upset because she was inconveniencing me by taking away (laughs) big blocks of structured time that I had learned to rely upon. And when I realized that, I was like, oh, Basically, what I need is something better to think about. Basically, what I need is somebody else to hang out with or some other way to structure and fill my time. When I stopped making the breakup worse than it had to be, I felt how bad the breakup was on its own. And it wasn't that bad. You know what I mean? It was. It kind of stung a little bit, and there was a little bit of kind of uh, unfamiliarity, but it was, it was work-withable, and it was like a scrape on the knee instead of, a decapitation, do you know what i mean
1: yeah like if if you have been using your relationship as like a cast to prop you prop you up as like a full body cast to prop you up because you couldn't stand on your own feet like you you needed kind of that codependence, that reliance, like I need you, I need you, I need you, and sometimes that can get um confused with passion or with um Soulmate, or like, oh, just like this kind of desperate uh, connection with another person, I I think that sometimes that can get confused where like, actually, I just just need you to like hold me up. I need you to be my arms and my legs. I need you to uh, help me be a person, help me structure time. And it's like when you, if you lose that relationship, it's like you've had a cast on for however long you were in the relationship and you weren't using your own muscles. And now they're all withered and weak and you kind of have to do major rehab. you got to kind of learn how to be a person again. And and that can be difficult. And that may cause you in those weak moments to quick find a new cast, like a rebound relationship. Like, is there someone, is there an old friend, an older relationship, someone that I can use to help hold me together during this time? And that's where that kind of that self-reliance and that, ooh, what am I what am I hiding in uh, when I'm in relationships that uh, I feel exposed, I feel vulnerable, I feel like not safe, uh, being on my own and I think that that's like some self image self concept lack of self trust um, that inability to rely on yourself and and there's a difference between that and like genuinely wanting to share your yourself and your life with another person um, in this mutually fulfilling wonderful sort of way you know it's not wrong to want or feel like you you need or are your best version of yourself in a relationship because that's totally uh, a legit thing but I do think that there are ways that we ourselves in ways that we are unaware of of aspects of ourselves that are overly dependent or reliant on other people to fill and structure our time and to hold us up because we're afraid we can't walk on
0: our own. Yeah, one thing you said that was really interesting was using the relationship as a cast or as a brace or as something that you kind of crutch, that you kind of lean on. And I think that there might be a difference between using the relationship in that way and using the actual person in that Mm. way. And neither of those are particularly good. And I think it's probably extra bad if you're using just the relationship because then it's like, hell, anybody will do. I mean, you know, and and I think that's that thing too, is are you you really upset about losing this person or are you upset about having a role in your life, your life experience corporation temporarily unfilled? (laughs) Like if I'm a boss and I'm running a small company and I've got seven or eight employees, you know what I mean, and my HR manager quits or my accountant quits or whoever, the tech guy, he quits. Am I I mean there's a couple of different scenarios there. If I'm at one, if I'm the owner of this company and if I'm competent, I need to kind of put my big boy pants on and just say, "Well, listen, employee's quit. And I got, I got this this role still needs to be filled and I need to find somebody else to do it." That's what I need to do. And in, and until somebody else is there to do it, even if I'm not as good at it as a person who's specifically designed or, you know, trained to do it, I'm just going to have to do it myself. I'm going to step into the breach. Got to do that with relationships too, right? You know, if you're used to your partner making you feel good in a particular special way, you need to step in and do it for yourself until you find somebody else who's really qualified. Um, but but in that situation though, where I'm running this company, somebody quits. Am I, am, am I upset because, God, I just love Jim. Jim was the best employee. He was the best guy. He just performed his job exceptionally and amazingly well. And I just I, and I like him as a person, and I enjoyed working with him, and, and, and there was just everything was wonderful, and he enriched the environment, and he was such a pleasant soul to be around, and he performed at such a high quality. Or am I miffed because now I have to answer those emails. Now I have to do the customer <laughs> service things, and I don't want to have to do that, and I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to do that, and blah, blah 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 blah. Those are different. And I want to know which one that is, because you know the, the next time you're looking for a life partner. If you're just looking to fill a role, it's much easier. And nobody consciously makes this choice because nobody consciously chooses things that don't serve them. Plenty of people make choices that don't serve them when they're making those choices outside of awareness, when they're making those choices unconsciously. But if what I'm doing is looking to fill a role, and that role involves, I don't know, five different criteria, it's got to look within this range, has got to be... Male or female, maybe it doesn't matter. He's got to, you know, make this amount of money. He's got to have this kind of a whatever, you know, this kind of an attitude and behave in this. I've got a couple of different criteria, you know, if I'm filling a role, and if I find somebody that fills those roles, he'll do, she'll do. That's good. Yep, put them in, you know. <laughs> versus. I really miss this person, you know, I I really am, I'm upset that this person isn't in my life anymore, not because I can't do without them, not because I won't be okay, but because they were a really cool person. They were a really exceptional person, you know, that's, you know, things begin and things end, and I am okay with this ending, but, you know, it kind of stings that this is ending, not because I don't know where I'm going to go next, but because it was just as fun and special and extra good time. That's different, and if you have that kind of an attitude, you're much more likely to go out into the world and attract somebody else to you that's going to be worth being around, right? So, so so that you don't have to necessarily go through the end of this relationship again. So many people, though, I think, if you ever see people settling or in a hurry, you know, like people like someone, they get divorced or, or their, their mate dies, and then like 15 minutes later, there's somebody else there, you know, and that's characteristic of them because, you know, that could happen to anybody, you know, under certain circumstances. And I don't think every time that happens, a person's just filling a role. But... When you see that kind of thing happen over and over and over again, you begin to get a sense kind of for what a person's selection criteria are. And particularly if, if, if their choices aren't serving them in the long run, you have to start wondering, you know, maybe they need to recalibrate these things a little bit. What, if, what, if, what if, if there's like four or five things that I'm depending on my mate to supply me? What if I got good enough at supplying those things for myself that when and if my partner weren't around anymore for whatever reason, I wasn't in a position where I had to run out and find somebody else ASAP in order to avoid an existential crisis? What if I had not just enough money in my bank account to cover the expenses this month? What if I had 12 or 15 months worth saved up so that if something were to come up and I couldn't work or something like that, I'd be good for a while? What if I was able to supply my own needs existentially? for a a long period of time so that I can hold out for a really good deal. I don't want to be coerced into taking the first decent deal that crossed my path. I want to really be able to wait for one that makes me go, ah, this is the one. I like this one. And I think that that's kind of a really important thing too. And again, so much of it is like this inner work. And I think, and this is another thing too, you talked about like the poignant things. The time to, listen, the time to romanticize your relationship is when the relationship is still going on. So many people Do not romanticize their partner. All they do is bitch and complain and whine about their partner when they're together. But the minute that person hits the road, oh my God, he or she was the best thing that ever happened to me. And People think that's a life lesson. That's not a life lesson. You didn't suddenly see the light because they left you. What you've got is you've got criteria for appreciating things after they've gone. And my thing is, why don't you just appreciate things when they're around, and then once they're gone, start looking forward to the next wonderful thing. That re- I mean, and I know how bad it feels to be set up to act that way and to think that way and experience that way. And I know that when you're feeling it, it feels so raw and it feels so real and it feels so intrinsic to the human condition. And it's Romeo and Juliet and all, oh, if only I would have, oh, but if you buy into all that, you're just going to get more of it. And then you're <laughs> going to get more of it again. But if I sit and I say, wait a minute, this bad feeling, this is me being stupid. You see, I didn't appreciate it when I had it. And now that I don't have it, all of a sudden, something inside my brain said, hey, it's time to think about all her good qualities. It's time to think about everything that's wonderful about her. It's time to think about somebody else enjoying all those things now. It's time to think about how she's probably forgotten you. It's time to think about how you'll never find anybody like her again. That's a dumb thing to do. (laughs) That's just not a smart thing. And if I can see that what I'm doing is dumb, and if I can see that you know there might be a certain level of of, of actual tragedy in this falling apart, or ugh, kind of stings to have this happen, but a lot of what I'm doing here, a lot of the suffering I'm experiencing, though the, a lot of what's making this cut so deep is the fact that like I'm shooting myself in the foot. And if I can say you know what, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to romanticize this thing. Post mortem, I'm not going to be a relationship necrophiliac, right? Who doesn't appreciate the whole thing until the thing's dead? I mean, that's well, come on. I mean, you know, think about it like that. Like that, that. I listen. If you start thinking about that kind of weird saccharine nostalgia as a sort of bizarre perversion that's going to get you in trouble and cause you problems. That's what it is. That's not, you, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get turned on by the relationship until it was cold and dead on the slab. That's not healthy. That's not helpful. You don't want to do that. What you want to do is get ready to appreciate the next one the next time it comes around. Now, If you're in a relationship with someone right now and it's going great, that might not be a useful way of thinking. It might be funny to you. You might think, what the hell is this guy talking about, right? But I can tell you that there's somebody listening to this who's going to be sitting there in the depth of the doldrums and the despair, and they're going to realize that what I described is not that far from what they're actually doing, and they're going to laugh instead of feeling like their life is over. And that's a useful thing for that person. If I can see myself doing things that are causing me pain, and if I can then say, What's a way of describing this that's both accurate and grotesque and absurd that will snap me out of it so that I have a harder time making sense of it than I did a moment before? So that it becomes so difficult for me to make sense out of doing what doesn't serve me that I've got no choice, really, except for to start looking for something that would serve me better? That's a really useful place to go. And if I can get a person to laugh, I know I've kind of got him on the right track. And you ever tried getting somebody to laugh who was determined to be devastated by the end of a relationship? That's a hard thing to do when you're in that hole and you don't want to come out and someone's throwing you a rope down or life is throwing you a rope down and you're refusing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's a tough place. We have to get you out of there and we have to get you moving somewhere else so that you are as excited about the next thing that's coming as you are bereaved about the thing that just fell apart. You know, and I don't think relationships that aren't supposed to fall apart fall apart. You know, I don't think relationships that are supposed to be great deteriorate. I just don't think that happens. So, you know, it's one of those things that when we're together, everything's wonderful. We can think of it in these romantic terms. Oh, our stars and oh, this and that and my soulmate and blah, 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 blah. If that does not for you, whatever you want however you want to describe it, that's wonderful. Enjoy it up. Make people around you absolutely sick. Go overboard with the PDAs. Be disgusting. Alienate all your friends because you don't have time for anymore. That's great. But the moment that relationship is over... You need to shift gears and you need to understand human pair bonding and you need to understand that it could have just as easily been someone else instead of them. And what that means is that moving forward, it can just as easily be somebody new instead of the person from before. You want to have that ability to switch those gears so that you are the love of my life as long as we're together. But as soon as we're not together, i got to tell you, I really am tapped in and I'm tuned in and I'm turned on by the fact that I know that this world is full of possibilities for me. And you want to seamlessly segue, as seamlessly as you can, between one and the other. And if you're kind of stuck somewhere in the middle, you let that be okay, but you know that the fact that you're stuck doesn't mean that you can't get to where you want to go, that you can't get to that place. Again, what would it take for me to not give an F about this? What would it take for me to be okay with the fact this ended the way that this ended or whatever? And you'll start getting answers eventually.
1: Yeah, and when you're doing that thing where you're focusing on what you want, when you're like cognizant of like that being your strategy, if I need to focus on what I want, and if you have some of these guiding principles that we talk about a lot, these like, Power beliefs. Um, They are, if you're down in this pit of despair, they're really great, like stepping stones to getting out of it. Like everything is always happening exactly as it should, everything is always working out. For me it's always this or something better like those ideas like if you dwell on that it's always this or something better so if this is falling apart that must be mean something better is out there for me like that's a spark of hope everything is always working out for me okay that must mean that even this um seeming tragedy this loss of this relationship that i was i thought it was going to be uh you know whatever um that that must mean that even this is work working out for me and and those ideas for me it's just like I need to dwell upon that instead of dwelling upon the loss, and dwelling upon the what if, and the what could have been, and if only, and I can't believe, and how could they, and I thought they, you know, they promised this, that, and the other. Like, those things are so easy to just get so bitter, and so resentful, and so just wounded. But again, when you are realizing how that's affecting you, when you are really paying attention to, uh, like, even if it's justified, even if, uh, you know, you could, everyone would agree that, oh, that was just so horrible what they did to you, especially if it ended badly or there was like a cheating or some kind of, you know, something that you just were blindsided by or felt really, really hurt about, all the more reason. All mm-hmm. the more reason to like, you know, get yourself together, you know, let or let yourself fall apart. That's fine. Like, you know, feel it, experience it, allow it. Allow it and acknowledge how you're feeling, but do not feed it. Don't mm-hmm. feed mm-hmm it if you don't want it to grow if you don't want because again we think those feelings it took me a year like my my last relationship it took me a long time because I kept feeding the nostalgia I kept feeding the you know the the very over romanticized dramatic movie drama type feelings and so it kept feeling very fresh I kept ripping the scab off <laughs> I wouldn't move on which made this new you know my new relationship hell I you know I made a lot of mistakes at that time I just was not aware or conscious of anything that I was doing I would have done it very very differently had I you know gone back in time but you know like noticing those patterns and seeing wow how easy it is especially if you have kind of a kind of wistful, romantic way of doing life and <laughs> you feel like you're in a movie. Um,
0: and that's a wonderful thing, that, that capacity for that romance. That's, that's a wonderful ability to have. I think the thing that you want, it's not that that's wrong. You know what I mean? You want to have that ability, though, to fully lean into that when the relationship's working. But when you recognize that it's not working or that it's over or that it's ending or whatever, you want to have that ability to shift those gears. And to say, all right, let me get into another more viable, more sustainable situation where, listen, if you can feel butterflies and you can feel in love with one person, that's a skill that you have. That's that's something that you were able to do. You were able to create those wonderful sensations in your body in response to coming into contact with another human being. What you don't want to do is give that power away to the human being in response to whom you happen to have first created those feelings or to have created those feelings most intensely. You don't want to do that if that person's gone. You want to realize that you have inside yourself the capacity to go and do something else. I like what you said about feeling it without feeding it. You know, Sometimes what I'm going to be feeling is the pain of cauterizing the wound or the consequences of bleeding out. You know, <laughs> And I think you've got to recognize that at some point, which is to say, I mean, it doesn't just hurt to hurt. Sometimes it hurts to say, all right, hurting time is over and it's time to start healing. It's time to start doing something useful. Because there is that, it's not one or the other. I do think it's a process. Do you know what I mean? And there is that, you know those days where you can feel the urge to start doing something new? To stop feeling quite so sorry for yourself? But, you know, a lot of the times it starts for a legitimate reason, but then it picks up so much momentum that it's hard to get off when it's time. And it almost just wants to, it's like your brain gets geared up for grief. And it takes it past just the healing phase. And Your brain gets good at everything that you do, you know. And people want to tell you things like, well, grief is a natural process that everyone has to go through and all this. And there probably is some truth to that, but there's also truth to the fact that we get addicted to things that we do for any period of time, you know, and you can get addicted to, like you said in one of your posts recently, to uh, emotions, just like you get addicted to drugs. I mean, basically, we're talking about the same thing. At a certain level, you get to where the brain is responding to these things similarly. And I think you want to recognize that it's possible to get addicted to emotional pain. And it's possible to inadvertently, to unconsciously and unintentionally do things that perpetuate or exacerbate that pain or, or, or make it so that you just stay in that place. And at some point, you got to get a tourniquet on there. At some point, you got to say, listen, the limb is gone. All right, Am I going to live through this or not? And the relationship is gone. It's been amputated. It's been blown away. It's been lost. It's, it, it's, it's done. Do I feel sad about that? Absolutely. Now I need to wrap my belt around the stump here so that I can get to the next place and get some help. I mean, it's, I mean, you, it's those gut-check moments for a lot of people that are really, truly make or break. And you don't have to do this. But what you have to do, though, is recognize if that moment comes upon you, recognize it, and don't have remorse about moving on. Don't let yourself feel obligated to linger in that sad stage for longer because you think maybe that'll get you back what you lost, or whatever. That's always a mistake. That never, ever works. You know, you never need to be able to heal faster than than, than you're capable of healing. What you don't want to do, though, is make that process longer than it needs to be. And I think a lot of people do that. Some people do it by trying to rush it, and some people do it by actively trying to hold it back. You know, it's like you hurt yourself uh, playing a sport, Some people cause problems for themselves by rushing back into the sport too quickly. Other people cause problems for themselves because they start resting, and then they find out, oh, this rest is kind of nice. And then they kind of get lazy, and the body gets good at not moving. And so because they can't do the full amount of movement they want to do, they can't be working out the way they want to, they can't be training the way they want to, they can't be playing the sport the way they want to, they don't do the rehab exercises they're capable of doing that would help them. And so they end up getting really good at not doing anything. And before you know it, that's mostly what they do. And they lose their desire to even get back to the game. What you want to do, I think, is give yourself that pleasant, sustainable push. And don't bullshit yourself. I think that's a really important thing, too. Don't make yourself cry. You know, don't make yourself <laughs> miserable. Don't. You sense those opportunities to be sad or to be upset. And if you feel like you need to, that's different than feeling like I could. And like with, I I think about like sneezing, like (laughs) sneezing is always more or less a natural thing, right? Like you can't, you can't force a sneeze, just conjure it out of nowhere. You got to have, the the, the nervous system's got to take over at some point. And there are times when I just have to sneeze and it wouldn't matter if I had a mouthful of charcoal, you know, mouthwash. And I know because I've actually sneezed it out all over myself before. Um, And, but then there are other times when I feel like, you know what, if I was in a quiet room all by myself and I had a bright light to look at, I could get myself to sneeze. You know, Mm -hmm. those are different. And when it comes to breaking down, you know, I need to break down. Fine, go ahead and break down. You know, don't worry about it whether you're in a restaurant or doing a podcast or whatever. Sometimes I sneeze in the most inopportune times. But every time you feel like if the circumstances were perfect, you could probably get yourself to sneeze. It doesn't mean you got to drop what you're doing and run and do it. Mm. And I do think that people sometimes drop what they're doing and run to get as upset as they possibly can because they almost feel obligated to it in a strange way. Does that make mm-hmm, sense?
1: Totally, yes. Um, that's funny. There's a song. It's a great song. It's by this, uh, this girl. Her name's Sigrid. And um, the song's called Don't Feel Like Crying. And the whole, uh, she's like, I know I should be ordering takeout, um, sitting on my couch, but I I don't feel like crying. I I know that I should, I know that, you know, a person in my situation might be doing that, but I don't feel like doing it right now, so I'm not gonna. (laughs) And it's a really a wonderful song because most breakup songs are about wallowing and sadness and all of the, you know, kind of sad, uh, very nostalgic. Uh, feelings about a breakup, but this one is very uplifting. It's just, I don't feel like doing that. So I'm just not going to do it. Um, Yeah, watching for those obligation feelings of wallowing as well. Um, Yeah, so I think you guys, uh, I hope you guys found this helpful. I think that if you have just gone through a breakup, you're gonna be fine. Just give it some time, use some of these tools, Uh, get out of that hole, find some ideas that feel good to think about, focus on what you want, you know, do your future self a favor, by just deciding that you're gonna be fine and that uh, you know this or something better everything is always working out it's gonna be great for them and great for you like you're not missing anything um, everything is still falling into place you know like this isn't the end of your life and uh, yeah so let us know if you guys have any uh, requests for podcast topics we are still going strong on relationships so we want to help you in any way that we can Thank <laughs> you.